and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Paul Eiding. Now, Paul, very talented actor, both on camera and a voice actor, probably best known in cartoons as the Transformer Perceptor. And he had an awesome toy because he transformed into a real working microscope, which was awesome. He voiced Perceptor in the uh, original Transformers cartoon as well as Transformers the movie. We discussed the movie because it had one of the most emotional scenes as a kid, Death of Optimus Prime, spoiler alert. But on screen, he was in the short-lived ABC show, The Charmings. He was the king of carpets, not really a king, but we'll talk about that role as well. He guest starring roles on Providence, Star Trek, The Golden Girls, the list goes on and on. Paul, very nice guy, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with him. So, Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Happy to be here, my friend. Yeah. So, what was like the last like eighteen months for you? How have you like adjusted during the pandemic, and like what were you up to? I don't know if I've adjusted yet. Uh, <laughs> so, actually, it, it's interesting. Um, last. March, I was contacted by uh, a theater company in Tennessee. Okay. I didn't know them, but they had heard of me and they were working. They wanted to um, do a documentary about that very thing. And they, what they, because it was COVID-19, right. they wanted to contact uh, 19 uh, artists' families, be they... Um, singers, rappers, dancers, producer, had a couple of directors, writer, a screen uh, director, and some voiceover people and actors. And they'd asked me if I would participate to show how we were trying to keep our art alive uh, when everything was shut down. Because when we, when everything hit, last uh, February, March, I was in our second week of uh, Measure for Measure at our theater, at Antias Theater. So that was shut down and everything else stopped. Uh, so for, they asked us to document our day, just moments in our day, right. what we were doing, how we, you know, how we were trying to stay alive artistically. So it, the good thing about doing being part of a documentary is that it also made put me in the mindset. Yeah, I'm going to have to work to keep keep myself active uh, right. artistically, you know. Um, and one thing that was nice is that I've, I've always been in uh, an acting class, and I stayed. They started doing the classes online. Right. Uh, it was Gordon Hunt had been my teacher for over thirty years. I've also done several stage plays with him and lots of uh, animation. He was the director at Hanna-Barbera for many right. years. That's Helen Hunt's father, right? Yeah. yeah. And when he passed away, Helen, uh, who I was in class with 35 years ago, right. uh, decided she wanted to keep his class going. So she's teaching the class now. Oh, wow. That's great. And she's a brilliant teacher. She's so good and so holistic in her approach. Um, very specific, but very holistic. So that's really been nice. We've kept that 
that community of actors, uh, you're constantly working on scenes. And the wonderful thing about, uh, not wonderful thing, one of the good things about having to, to work online is we found ourselves, whatever scene par partner I was working with, we worked more often. Because generally, when you're working on a scene for a class, somebody lives in Pasadena, someone lives in Los Angeles or wherever, so you have to drive over to somebody's house and you get together. Well, this, instead of working on a scene two or three times, we would work every day. Right. And it, it was great. So we were doing that all the time. And um, staying active voiceover wise. Uh, and I've actually done a couple of uh, films okay. during, uh, through the pandemic. Right. You know, so uh, I've been one of the lucky ones. Right. I mean, there's never a great time for a pandemic to hit, but I mean, yeah. now with the technology, you're you know able to work and you know do your job. I mean, like voiceover work. I imagine you can just record your lines at home, send it over, yeah. you know, computer, and then there you go, you're, you're done. I'm sure you have like a voiceover booth in your house. Yeah, no, I've 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 never done any um, uh, dubbing for you know Netflix shows from around right. the world, but. Through the pandemic, I was asked if I'd be interested in doing it, Absolutely. and I hadn't been interested before. Right. And be, since there weren't a lot of other things I could do, I said, "Sure." Yeah. So I've it's 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 actually been a lot of fun uh, doing uh, doing films from France, from Poland, from Hungary, from um, Russia, from. Uh, where else? Uh, just several different countries. Right. Norway. It's been great. Yeah, oh, that that is fantastic. So with the, the voice acting, like I know, obviously you were a stage actor first. How did the voice acting come about? Because I know that's such like a tight knit group and hard to get into. Um, I'd done. I was mainly a stage actor in when I was living in Minnesota. Um, but one of the guys who uh, worked in this improv theater with me, his straight job was writing for 3M and Control Data, okay. which I don't even know if it's still around. Uh, and they needed somebody to do read scripts. And he asked if I would be interested in doing it. I said, sure. So I, I did some stuff there. I did a lot of uh, uh, commercials, voiceover commercials back there. And then when I moved to LA, I signed with an agent uh, who said he could handle me uh, on camera, but they had everybody and they needed voiceover wise. And right. They had all the heavy hitters. But what happened was uh, the voiceover director or the voiceover person who handled the VO department walked by while they were watching my on-camera reel and she heard something in a voice. She called me in to do an audition for an olive, a Lindsay olive. Okay. <laughs> and I got it. Right. And then she called me in a couple more times and I booked right away. But the big break, I think, was uh, getting in with Hanna-Barbera. Right. I was doing a stage play called Cloud Nine. Cloud Nine, I played three characters. I played an African manservant, intentionally having a white man playing uh, an African right. man, um, uh, a Cockney soldier, and a five-year-old girl. Um, it's a great show called Cloud Nine. Right. And Gordon Hunt uh, was in the audience uh, one night. 
He liked what he saw, that I had some range. Contacted my agent, brought me in for a general audition where I ended up reading like 10 different characters from giants and dummies to trolls and, you know, just fun stuff. And they started bringing me in and I started booking, doing Saturday morning cartoons, you know? And then the word starts getting around. Uh, and then that's how the, uh, they heard about me from there. They heard about me for uh, the, the Transformers and all that stuff. Right. I moved out to LA in 83. Okay. And the voiceover stuff really started hitting in like 84. And then once you get known, you still have to audition. Right. You know, every once in a while, I'll get something that uh, like, uh, the guys uh, with Fallout, there are certain things that you don't audition for, or Blizzard will call me back right. because they know me and whatnot. But generally, you're auditioning with everybody else. Right. And I mean, like, one of the big ones was the Smurfs. I think you had a couple, you know, roles on that one. There was no bigger cartoon in the, like, early to mid-80s when the Smurfs on Saturday morning. That that was huge. Listen, when I, when I called my... Uh, my mom and my my stepfather living in Cleveland, Ohio, sure. and I told him, "Hey, I'm chimney sweep Smurf." <laughs> didn't didn't have a lot to do, right? Uh, but I got to work with all these guys that I'd been listening to for years. Yeah. Uh, but I told my my uh, my stepfather, we were never close. But my stepfather had his best friend. They called him Papa Smurf, and his <laughs> car was decked out with every smurf you could think of right so so uh I, he had me uh send him a picture with yeah. with my little character and signed right. it and all of a sudden uh, yeah i was okay in my stepfather's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank I you know, smurfs yeah i know they used to make a ton of those little figurines did they ever make a chimney sweep smurf? yeah there is, is a chimney okay? sweep smurf right and that's very cool when you're a toy yeah. of course yeah <laughs> Right. And then, you know, speaking of toys, I mean, like there was no better, like, I guess, commercial for toys than Transformers. I oh, mean, boy. that whole show was a commercial for toys, which was which was fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. The show, I mean, playing Perceptor, which I mean, there were cars, there were dinosaurs, but you had a really cool character playing a, basically a microscope that, that actually worked. worked. That yeah. worked. I had that. Thank toy. You. It was fantastic. You know, I mean, it's like, it wouldn't make science fun, you know? <laughs> Oh, you can't see it. Wait, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? There, there's my. Yeah. There's my. <laughs> yeah. I, I, not... I had the original one, like, obviously, 35 years ago. But I saw I was actually in uh, an FYE this weekend. And now they have the little, like, uh, thing of Super 9 reaction figures. Now right. they have the little Perceptor that's out in the stores now. So yeah. it's kind of cool that they're coming back again. Somebody sent me that one. They also sent me one that was based on, that Perceptor was based on from japan and it's right. all black yeah and they, i've got one of those right it's now cool. yeah I, absolutely now when they were filming that show did the whole cast like come together and record their lines together or were you separate almost always together uh unless yeah. somebody had another gig and right. had to do pickup lines yeah. but that was one of the wonderful things about doing that show back in the day right we were we were in the room together which meant for some nice spontaneity. It also meant for you know taking longer than it needed to be taken because sure. we were laughing uh, all outtakes, the time. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah, because there were some amazing people who worked on that show. I mean, you know, and Peter Collin, you know, Frank Wall. I mean, it's great guys. Scatman so, Brothers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Chuck McCann in the movie. Like, yeah. I would, I was one of the new kids. Right. And I was like, uh, I was like really honored to be working with those guys. It was just yeah. magical. Right. Now, two deaths really affected me as a kid on screen. First was Mr. Spock in Star Trek Two, And then the second one was the death of Optimus Prime in the movie. You know, I was like, how dare you? you know, how can you kill Optimus Prime? That was very emotional. But my grandfather took me to see the theater in Queens, the movie in Queens, New York. And there was a scene where Spike cursed. He said, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And the whole theater gasped. And everyone, I kid you not, everyone but my grandfather and myself left. We're all looking around. It's like, why? We left, and my grandfather was like, "Your grandmother said much worse stuff than, than that <laughs> character just did." So that, that was really funny. But it was just like I couldn't believe, it. and I think they like edited it out in like the home video releases. But I, I couldn't, you know, couldn't believe that. I don't know that why. Point. I don't know why they why they went there. I, there was a reason, and I can't, but I can't remember. Maybe because they wanted to get a PG or I th- I don't yeah, know that's they, I think so. I think that's what it was. Yeah, otherwise, because they would have got he, a G rating. Yeah, and who goes to see a G rating? It's, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Uh, it, it was it was really funny because I did a, a, a Comic Con in San Diego, uh, San Antonio. Okay. The uh, what was it called? Uh, Alamo City Con, and a lot of the guys who were helping work on the con were soldiers. Okay. Uh, uh, there's a military guys uh, around there, and I had one guy come up to me who had been helping. He said, "Man." He was like maybe 36, 37 years old at the time. This is like four or five years ago. And he, he told me, he said, man, when I was when I was nine years old, you made me cry. And I and I knew exactly what he was talking about. And I said, oh, do you, do you mean when I said, I feel the wounds are fatal. And I swear to you, he right. teared up. It took him right back to right. that time. Yeah. Because that had never happened before. Right. You know, in yeah. an animated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really wanted to like, you know, kind of screw with kids back then. You know, it's like yeah. you're like one of the heroes. I mean, Rodimus Prime, he was cool, the cool car and everything, but no one compared to uh, Optimus Prime. I mean. Then or now. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, um, I'm not sure people are aware of the other kind of transforming cartoon GoBot. Gobots in the, in the mid '80s. I mean, wasn't it the same as Transformers? The toys were a little bit smaller, but you had a small role. I think it was Scorp, right? Scorp. Yeah, I, I was like, I, I was uh, the poor man's answer uh, to <laughs> uh, basically to uh, uh, Starscream because right. <laughs> he, he had one of those <laughs> yeah. one of those voices, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, uh, a henchman for um, Psykill. Psykill, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. The funny, I'll make this real quick. Psykill, um, when I was living in Minnesota, my first equity job, uh, I got hired at, at this uh, huge theater uh, to do uh, a play role in Fiddler on the Roof. And I was also hired to be understudy because I had done it other places. Yeah. Understudy for. Or Tevya, who is he is 
uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Right. You know, it, it's his show. And um, I was in the show for about a month and a half. And the fellow who was playing, I won't tell the whole story but about it, but the fellow who was playing Tevya was relieved of his job. And they asked me if I was really to go on without a rehearsal. And I had been watching him. I knew all the blocking. I really, I, and I was like, in my mind, uh, I figured if I screw up, I, you know, they're going to expect it. But if I come through, then I'm a hero. <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. So I said, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so I did it for you know, 10 months after that, eight shows a week. I moved out to L.A. This, is, this was back in 78. In 83, I moved to L.A. And I get cast as Scorp in the GoBots. Right. And the voice of Psykill was done by the same man who I replaced. Oh, wow. Yeah, who had played Tevya. Great voice. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Barney Earhart was his name, Bernard Earhart. Right. Wonderful actor. I mean, really wonderful. He just had some issues that he had to deal with back in the day. But it was great. It was fun to, to work with him. And he never yeah. gave me a hard time about uh, taking taking his right. job. Wow, that's fun. Yeah. Now, small now, world. Yeah, totally. Now, now, voicing like these characters, like how much like direction does a director give you to like kind of come up with the character, or is a lot of it on your own, or how, how does that how does that work? Uh, generally, they'll give you an idea of uh, what I love to see is a picture. If I see a picture that I can tell if the character has an overbite, how heavy they are, you know, uh, unless they want to play against type and they want to have a tiny voice for a big character, whatever, they'll let you that, they'll give you that sort of stuff. Or you may get a, a page and a half of explanation of backstory and who this character is and right. all that stuff. Yeah. And sometimes you get nothing, you just get a picture. Um, so it's on you for the audition. Now, when I did, went into um, uh, Ben 10, I would play Grandpa Max in Ben 10, I got the job uh, and they wanted Gr Grandpa Max to have kind of a, a down home sort of, not country, but a down home sort of voice. So I had just a touch of a, a twang in him. And we did the first three episodes that way and it never felt right. And the director um, came to me and said, you know, uh, it's not, it's not working. We've got to find something else. Uh, and she's a brilliant director. And she said, stay after. And th the rest of them were around there too. So we worked on changing the voice very subtly. So in those instances, the directors really, if you've got a good director, yeah. they can save your job or they can lose your job for you. <laughs> in this case, uh, Chris Salter, uh, really helped me save the job and I ended up doing it for, for 10 years. Now is it difficult when the character has already been like created and been portrayed by quite a few people like Jonathan Kent like you played him a bunch of animated like Superman movies like Jonathan Kent you oh. know like, like yeah. No I, I something like that with with uh, Jonathan um, I had an idea of who he was and what he sounded like. And he was uh, just a little gentler version of me. And that's what I decided. I'm a father. 
you know, I've, I've got uh, got uh, two daughters. They're both super as far as I'm concerned. Right. But but neither but can fly. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I don't think. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but in that case, no, they just let me do what I what I came up with for him, yeah. which was nice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you had a rumble, let's just say between GoBots and the Transformers, like the, who would win? Oh, no contest. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no contest. Yeah. There, there are too many Transformers. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you know, we got them outnumbered no matter what. Right. You know, how many, how many seasons do you want to go? You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Now, what I know, like you, you obviously did, you know, the, gen- the first generation of them. Now there's been so many iterations of Transformers, but you haven't been voicing Perceptor in any of them. I know. Yeah, I, I'm sure I know you know, but like, well, like, do they come to you at all about it? Or Never. Not? No. You Never. Find out why? No. Huh. I, I I have my suspicions why. Right. Um, Money. <laughs> oh no, they they go to Will. Uh, Will was it? Who's doing it? Was it Will Wheaton? Or somebody was doing it. Okay. Uh, it 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 was money in one of them because they uh, one sounded like it, it won a video game. Right. One of the other games because he apparently he didn't have a lot in the one game, so they had Jim, um, who was also also doing another character just do. Okay. That was my understanding on that one. Right. But this is my suspicion. This is just me. Yeah. I have no knowledge ever. Either. Uh, one of two things you either think i you know they didn't like what i did or they want to make him i don't know what they want to make him right. uh or what's happening in in all, across the uh, the board how many followers you have how many twitter followers do yeah. you have uh, will your um the assumption is your twitter followers will go with you no matter what you do which is not the case. No, uh, I have a lot of followers who are following me because of Metal Gear Solid. Right. They don't care about the Transformers. Right. And vice versa. And vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but they did the same thing with uh, with Ben Ten. I'm not. I'm no longer doing Grandpa Max in Ben Ten. They went a different different way. Um, well, on the reboot. That kind of stuff happens. You just roll with yeah. it. But I think I was warned years and years ago by uh, Tara Strong, who I think is brilliant. Yeah, she's great. She's just incredibly talented and as kind as she can be. And she was ahead of the game. She saw it coming, I think, before most people did. She said, you got to build up your, your followers, either on Twitter or uh, Instagram, right. Facebook, whatever. Uh, and I was like, eh, I don't, uh, that really wasn't who I was. I wasn't yeah. into it for the business side of it. Right. But unfortunately, that's what it is now. You really got to have those numbers, yeah. you know? Um, and as a result, she's got hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And I've got like, what, 20,000 or something like that? I'm not even. Right. You no. Know? Yeah. I mean, it's also because like you, you do so much in that like realm where, people can like spread out and check it like you mentioned you know no one who watches ben 10 might be different audience than metal gear solid 
But I mean, yeah. you're covering, you know, you're basically kind of spreading it thin, I guess. So maybe that's why it's not, you know, trans translating into views. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But I mean, like, I, I'll be honest, I never played Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid. I heard of it, but uh, it's got such a great following. Uh, but being a former um, soldier, I'm sure Colonel Campbell is pretty much easy to play for you. Yeah, uh, Campbell came, came pretty easily to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, somebody asked you where, where I got the voice. I said, it's, it's me at uh, seven o'clock in the morning. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just that yeah. it's more down right. here. Yeah. Snake. It's, <laughs> it's, bef- you know, so I said, do, do you smoke and, and drink? I, yeah. ni- I do neither. No, right. I don't. Yeah. It just, that's, uh, <laughs> that's where I live in the morning. Later in the day, it's up here. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So you make sure you record those in the morning, then, right? Right. <laughs> so it's easier yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you played Have you played any of the games that you voiced? I suck at them. <laughs> I'm really terrible. Right. Uh, I played at them. Okay. Um, uh, a couple of that were on Wii. Uh, I played. Yeah. Uh, my my daughter's um, fiance uh, is a huge gamer. Also a wonderful actor and voiceover. <laughs> Uh, actor as well um, he's he's really good right and you know it's like if I sat there two reasons I, I, I did not might let myself get into it number one um, I'm more a Pac-Man kind of guy right yeah. <laughs> old school yeah. and I also know uh, that I have an addictive personality and I would be one of those that would get on and wouldn't get off for five or six hours yeah. at a time. Right. So to save my marriage and see my children, <laughs> uh, I decided to stay off. Yeah. My daughters, neither of my daughters have ever played any of the games that I've worked on. However, every every guy they've dated has. Right. So at least they have good taste. They- yeah, of course. <laughs> what, was, was that before knowing that you were Colonel Campbell? Or was that just coincidence? Oh, yeah, it was before. Okay. You know, uh, it was very funny because my daughter was at, at, at uh, she's a BFA from University of Southern California. And it was, I think it was like the third year. She was a junior year before the guys in her class realized that that's who I was and that's right. what I did. And I got a phone call from two of them. And they said, oh, my God, I didn't realize I've killed you a couple of times since. It's been an accident, yeah. and I get those calls from, from guys right. saying, "Hey, man, I, I I killed you today in Skyrim." Uh, it's like, oh, cool, yeah. enjoy. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. If, if you ever threaten them, you just use the voice, right? Use the snake voice, so you can. Uh, yeah. It's kind of scare them. <laughs> I just tell them I was in the military. I know how to use a weapon. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and you don't get three lives anymore. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your health yeah. will go down. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, one more like animated show that people kind of forgot, which I absolutely loved, was the Toxic Crusaders based on the Toxic Avenger movie, which, you know, uh, Lloyd Kaufman uh, created, which was a fantastic uh, show, which is kind of funny because like the Toxic Crusader movie was like or Toxic Avenger movie. You know, it was an R-rated movie, kind of a horror. And they made these, you know, sh- movies into kids shows. They did that with like RoboCop, I think Police Academy. So they kind of like try to gear towards kids, which I thought was kind of funny. When I go to conventions, people, they always 
ask you know, what are my favorite shows that I've worked on yeah. and Toxic Crusaders, Crusaders is always one of them right. because we had we had a great group of actors yeah. number one uh, the scripts were funny and stupid yeah. um, and we all had a great time now I don't know if you've heard me tell this story when I auditioned for that show um, they had me audition for a couple of characters one of them was Nozone, and the other character was for this little toady character um, with uh, Dr. Kelimoff. Is that Kelim? Yeah, Kelimoff. Uh, and oh, uh, and I did. There was a there was a character actor who was in Bonnie and Clyde and a couple of other things, and he always seemed like he was kind of out of it. Um, he was always stoned back in the seventies, <laughs> and. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name. He passed away last year, I think it was. Um, got three names. Can't remember his name. Anyway, so I, I did I did his voice, or I tried to do my rendition of how he would do that character. And Sue Blue, who was the director, asked me, she said, God, I love that voice. Who, who, who are you doing? Who was that? She said, very reminiscent. And I told her the guy's name. And, and I said, you know, he was in this and that. And she said, that was hilarious. Great. Cut to the first day of rehearsal. I'm, I get cast as no zone. Right. I go in and sitting at the table is the guy whose voice I was doing. Wow. They hired him to do that character. Oh. <laughs> I didn't get it, but I got him a job. Right. Oh, wow. Now, I never told him it. it. The problem was he was a very nice guy. Um, oh, what was his name? It doesn't matter. Uh, the problem was he had never done voiceover before. So all the takes, it took a lot, a little bit long. It took a lot longer. Right. Because she would say, okay, we've got to pick up like a second and a half. Can you do it a little bit quicker? He couldn't do it. It would always be exactly the same. But he was, but it, at the end, he was right for the role. Yeah. You know? Uh, and doing uh, no, no Zone was great fun. And in every show, somebody had to say, it had to be said twice in every show by someone. We are hideously deformed creatures of superhuman size and strength. <laughs> So, every, you know, somebody would say it at least twice. Right. Yeah. That's funny. And we loved it. Yeah. Uh, I, I ran into, um, oh, God, what's his name who created it? Oh, Lloyd Kaufman? Yeah. I, I ran into Kaufman at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Right. And, uh, and I went up to him. I said, hey. You know, I did, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Paul. Remember me? We, we met uh, way back when. Yeah. Didn't remember it all. But I said, <laughs> I said, yeah, I, uh, I, we did Toxic Crusaders, the cartoon. He said, oh, yeah, you guys are the ones who ruined my career. Like, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Right. <laughs> he was a very funny guy. Yeah, that's funny. And uh, Roger Bumpass, who does uh, Squidward now, and SpongeBob did Toxie. So that was, uh, yeah. He did Toxie and uh, Kill Him Off. Yeah. 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 Re yeah. Really funny show. I think it's, you can check it out on YouTube. I think it's. Yeah. Greg Berger. Yeah. 
was a, a junkyard dog. Yeah. And Hal Rail. Right. Yeah. He was on Transformers as well. Yeah. Yeah. He was Dr. Bender and Bonehead, I think. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. We had a great group. Right. Yeah. Was a, and they're still dear friends, which is, which is oh, that's good. Yeah. even better. Greg right. and especially uh, Hal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about the King of Carpets. I remember the Charmings very well. Uh, Do you remember, really? Yeah. I watched it when I was younger, when it was on. I mean, it was short lived, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, for 11, 12 year old boy, which was kind of interesting. It was, it was, it was funny. But my question was, why did they, changed actresses for snow white in between seasons. oh uh well okay i'll tell you the truth right uh we had a couple of problems with the show number one well i think a few problems they weren't sure how adult to make it and how right. family to make it they're, right. they're going back and forth abc and columbia wasn't sure which way they wanted to go um and they had a problem early on after those that first few episodes because Disney came after us because they felt that Snow White looked too much like the clothing looked too much like um, their Snow White. So we right. had to change the hair, change the clothing. Okay. And this was before they owned ABC. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the first Snow, wonderful lady, wonderful actress. Uh, but we did the first six episodes and there was, there seemed to be a problem with uh, getting her onto the set okay. in an expeditious manner. There was a lot of tech involved with that, bringing in live animals. Okay. So the shows always went long. We would, we would do the show with a live audience twice and then there would be pickups and sometimes they go till three in the morning. Wow. which meant it was incredibly expensive because right. she had to pay all the, yeah, uh, all the crew. Yeah. And again and again, they, they warned her that she was taking too long, that they needed to get her to the set faster. She was never, my understanding was that she wasn't happy with her hair or whatever. And she was on vacation during the hiatus in Italy and called in to find out, they found out that we got picked up, but they told her, yes, we got picked up, but you're not going to be going on. So it was like horrible. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the second snow came in, also a lovely lady, uh, Carol Houston. And uh, we did, I guess, like I think we did 22 episodes total. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I had a great time. It was right. great fun. Um, I loved working with the cast and the crew. I learned things from uh, veteran actors. Uh, Dari Brenner, who played my wife, she told me one of the smartest things when you're, when you're not the lead in a show. She said, whenever they have you come into a door, get away from the door. Come all the way in the room. Okay. Never stay near the door because they can cut you out. Walk wow. into the room. Don't, don't wait for anybody to say, okay, right. come on in. You come all the way into the room, otherwise you will get you they can cut you from the from the shot. Oh wow. Yeah. So it's like, oh, and, yeah. and she'd been around. That, that was my first yeah. uh, long network stuff. I got that because the, the husband and wife who created the show were writers on Who's the Boss? And I'd done a guest yeah. on Who's the Boss. Right. 
and they love my work. And then they brought me in for this, you know. Um, and they went on to write for the nanny for years and okay. years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Great the, folks. Yeah. I mean, Bob done Sternin like... and Prudence Frazier. Okay. Like, you know, a t- yeah, a, a ton of guest starring roles, both comedic and dramatic. Um, the Golden Girls, I mean, that was a memorable one where I think Sophia rented out the house as a bread and, bre- a bed and breakfast and right. he took one of the rooms, which is funny. What, what was that experience like working with those four? Working on that show, I don't mean this in a bad way. Right. When you got to the set, everybody had their, their places around the, the the table for the first reading and i everybody knew that you were a guest on the show that you weren't really part of our right. family family uh most of my interaction was with betty white right and everything you hear about betty white believe yeah. she <laughs> was warm and welcoming and with her i felt like yeah yeah i belong here right i'm just yeah, she she was. I didn't have a lot to do with everybody, anybody else, uh, but she was just a joy. I felt I was honored to be working, working with her, and I get calls and marks uh, get notified on Facebook. It's on again. I'm, I'm watch, watching yeah. Golden Girls. Right. So I get a dollar fifty every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think like four or five channels run reruns of, of that show. So I think yeah. the Weather Channel runs it as well. I think everything is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was really, it's just really, they had it down. Right. It was so professionally done. Yeah, right. And like, I watched a couple episodes like last week. It, it, it still stands up. I mean, it's so yeah, funny. Yeah, it does. Really funny. Yeah, it's, it's good. Can you watch yourself if you're flipping through the channels and like one of your guest starring roles comes on? Can you sit and watch yourself or no? The, the ones that are far distant, yes, because yeah. uh, it's no longer me. Right. You know what I mean? Um, I was trying to explain this to someone uh, else about um, there, are, there are certain roles, certain pieces. Like I did a, a guest on Providence many years ago where I. I You're played, the vampire, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. Um, I'm really proud of that because I look at it now and it's like, who is that actor? He, he, right. It was nice because there was no force. There was nothing over the top. Some of the charming stuff I have a hard time dealing with okay. because yeah. it was a little larger than life, right. which is what the show yeah. wanted. Um, so those th- kind of things I get a little antsy about. But Providence, I can look at that now and or uh, picket fences, and it's like it's not me. Right. It's that other. It's that character. Yeah. Right. You know, and and it works. Yeah. Uh, some of the newer stuff maybe a little less. Right. You know, yeah. I'll watch um, uh, Earl. Oh yeah. Something. Yeah. It's like okay, that's another comedy thing that's a little bit big. Yeah. But you give. You give right. the director what they what they ask for, right. you know. Um, I've got something out that's actually opening at the I think San Diego uh, Film Festival this weekend. It's starting to make the uh, festival circuit. Uh, something that I did right. last year during the pandemic, okay. and that I'm really proud of. Oh, great! Uh, 
yeah, uh, yeah, we can talk about that later, but it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to watch that work again, because it, yeah. it's me, but I've got, I've got my pandemic beard that's way out here right. and it, I know it's me, but I also know it's the character that was written. Um, it's hard to explain. Do you know what? what I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Do you know where that's going to be besides right now, San Diego? You know where if that's going to be like? Oh, it's going to make all the. Fe- it's going to make. It's going to play first. San Diego first, and San Jose Festival in okay. San Francisco, Chicago, right. um, uh, Edmonton, Calgary. I think there are eight so far that uh, okay. festivals that it's going to be in, and it's it's called Frank and Emmett. Okay. And it's me and my partner of 40 years, which happens to be a Muppet. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm really, it's a beautiful script, well-written by the head of animation at uh, DreamWorks, but it's not animated, it's live action. Right. Yeah. Oh, cool, all right. Hopefully it'll come, you know, come to the East Coast, I'll have to check it out. I hope so. Yeah. Absolutely. Now you say looking at yourself on screen, I'm sure like when you played Ambassador Loquel on Next Generation, you didn't really look like you. So that's kind of like, okay, that's not me. So I can, guess I can watch it, right? Yeah. yeah. I've actually watched it a couple of times. It says, okay. And I, I can be critical and say, okay. Yeah. There was actually a, a moment in that that they cut out in the script. The original script was, um, I'm walking, we find, we see the little boy. There's a point where we're walking down and out and she's looking for me and I'm gone and, I, and I'm looking at this, this little boy and I'm turning him around, looking at him and, and I say, what is this? And she says, that's a child. Well, originally in the script, because his whole thing is about pleasure okay. and he's just yeah. finished eating all this dessert right. and all these foods and whatnot. So he says, what is this? And she said, that's a child. And he very innocently says, oh, can I eat it? Yeah, that's right. And they said, okay, no, we can't, we can't leave that in. Um, which was, I, I get. Yeah. But it was from a totally innocent right. uh, point of view from him. He had no idea what it was. Yeah. Uh, so they said, no, we can't say, can we Maybe eat children? Right. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but that was great fun. Yeah, how was the makeup process like for that? Oh, it, was, it actually wasn't too bad, like two and a half hours. Okay. And I kept that forehead. I kept that, for, I was, I, I threatened to use the forehead for Halloween and I pe- put it in a safe place. Right. And I couldn't remember where I put it. Right. I actually found it a couple of years later and it was unusable at that oh. point because it all shriveled up. Shriveled. But yeah. Uh, that's what I want to do. I want to yeah. use it. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. All right. Last one for you. Um, I only saw the first live action Transformers movie. Wasn't a big fan of it. I, don't, I think they made what, four or five, six. I don't know how many after that. It's the only one uh, I've seen. Okay. So I'm assuming. You probably no, have no, the same... no. I also saw uh, Bumblebee. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. That looks pretty good. But, Bumblebee uh, is worth that's, seeing. That's good. Okay. So I'm assuming you really didn't think highly of the other ones then. Um, yeah, I, I got that question a lot at, at Comic-Cons. Yeah, and right. whatnot. It's like, uh, no, 
you know, I'm not, you know, it's, a, it's for me, it's a different thing. It's, it's not really the Transformers. Right. It's a different, you know, it was incredibly uh, uh, profitable for uh, Michael Bay and everybody yep. and fans loved it. Uh, and for what it is, uh, God bless them, you know, uh, also because it, it keeps, it's kept the, you know, the Transformers alive. Right. So I can't be upset about that. Uh, it's just a different thing, you know, and it's, it would be easy for me to, you know, crap all over it, but you know, it's, yeah, it's just not my cup of tea. That's all. Right. Yeah. Uh, Bumblebee. I thought they went back. There was all a heart in Bumblebee and it went back to, you had some, some real feelings in it. So I, I thought Bumblebee was terrific. You know? yeah, but the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like the G.I. Joe movies, I feel. Like this, this the same way, you know, it just doesn't yeah. translate that well. I mean, because you always see war movies and this and that, but the G.I. Joe cartoons had a different feel than the live action. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, Paul, I really appreciate your time today. This was fantastic, and uh, best of luck going forward with uh, everything. It's really been a pleasure, my friend. And a special thanks to Paul for joining me today. You can follow him on Twitter at the number four, Paul Eiding. You can also find him on Facebook. And if you have a guest suggestion, you can hit me up on Twitter at the first all one nine or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. You go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Shows on SoundCloud, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you can find a podcast. A new episode comes out regularly gotta be a little more um diligent in releasing these episodes that's the one downside about working from home not a lot of free time we'll see you next show